All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this moment. This moment we can stand in your presence. This moment we can draw near to you, come close to you, and, and be impacted by you, Father. Lord, I just think about if you were here in the flesh, if Jesus was standing in front of us today and speaking, I know we would leave different than the way we came in. I know our life would be changed by the power of your words. And so today I'm asking you would take over, that it wouldn't be Anita Greening speaking anymore, but that Jesus would be speaking through me and that everyone in this room would live different than the way they came, that their life would be enriched by your words. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I tell you what, you guys are hungry. I can feel it. It's amazing. We're going to have a wonderful time. There's nothing I love more than to share about the Word of God with people who love the Word of God. So, wow, I'm already excited. Oh, that's right. I have a PowerPoint. <laughs> you might need to click on it for me. There we go. All right, so today I'm talking about being led by the Spirit of God. You know, as we see the Lord's return coming closer and closer, I believe he wants to bring us back to the church as described in the book of Acts. The church that was alive and vibrant and full of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about being led by the Spirit of God today. The adventurous life of a believer now, I had two things I prayed for every single night when I was a kid. I asked God for an adventure, and I asked him for a mystery to solve. <laughs> That's all I wanted, and I'd be a happy, happy kid. And uh, I used to go outside, see if there was any strange footprints in the backyard, <laughs> set up things. I was expecting my mystery. I wanted my adventure. What I didn't realise at the time was that living for God is really the greatest adventure you can ever have. And uh, I began to have an understanding of that on my very first missions trip to India. Um, we were scheduled to go up to a village in the mountains, a village that had never seen white people before and never heard the gospel. So I was so excited. But to get to the village, we had to cross what was once, I think, more of a stream, but it ended up being a river because of the floods. And so we had guitars and backpacks and gear that we were taking up, and um, the only way across was this swollen river. So we put guitars above our heads, and we had the water up to here, and we're like, this is adventure! This is awesome! And then we get to the village and all the kids come up because they don't know what you're like. You're a different colour skin. So they all start feeling you. What do you feel like? What are, you, are you normal? Are you like us? Then they hear the message. That was amazing actually because there was so many dialects. This, this village was so far removed we had to have three interpreters. So I would say something in English, and that would be interpreted into one dialect. Someone else would then interpret it into another dialect, who would then interpret it into the final dialect. 
So, and we were doing a skit about hands, you know, God gave us hands, and then we'd freeze. What's the next line? Oh, yeah, because it was big delay. But it was fun. Well, they received Jesus, and they said, you've got to tell another village further up the mountain. Please don't go. You've got to tell another village. So we said, all right, we'll tell another village. We go up higher up the mountain, and they see these people coming with white skin, and, oh, they want to make a meal for us. So that chicken, they start chasing it. And I'll tell you what, the curry I ate that night had bones, had absolutely everything. Thankfully, I didn't get the chicken's foot. I think someone else might have. But it was an interesting meal, and thankfully, we were eating it by campfire light, so I couldn't see what I was eating. All I could tell was, that's a real chewy bit. Another bit was real powdery. I'm like, maybe that's the liver. Who knows? But anyway, I was having an adventure. And then the mystery, the mystery that I prayed for every day. Have any of you ever opened your Bible and read something and went, what does that mean? That is a mystery. Well, the Bible's full of mysteries and God puts them there for us to discover so we can delve deep in. And you know what's amazing with God is that you never fully solve them all. You just crack one and you're like, that's awesome. And then a few months, weeks, years later, hey, there's another layer to that code. I've got to crack it again. So exciting and adventurous life when you are a believer. So good. Now, when you first receive Christ as your saviour, you're just so amazed, aren't you? You're amazed at his love. You're amazed that he forgave you. You're amazed that you have a new start. It's like the lights have come on. And you're reborn. And it's just wonderful. Well, this is how the first disciples felt too. In fact, it was probably even more so for them because they'd been through the whole crucifixion with Jesus and then the resurrection. And and you could just imagine they're like, I've got to tell somebody. You know, this doesn't happen every day. You don't see dead people get up after three days. It's just not normal. I've got to tell somebody. But... Jesus gave them an unusual instruction. Wait. Not my favourite word, but it's a bit like, you know, the kids pile out of the car and you're, you're on the road and you go, wait, I know you're excited, I know you want to get to your destination, but you've got to look left and you've got to look right and you've got to look left again. You need to wait. So Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. That word promise is a capital P. Wait for the promise of the Father. Wait to be baptised with the Holy Spirit. This was so important that the early church were commanded, before you go and do anything for me, wait and receive the Holy Spirit first. Let's read this one together, Acts 1, 4 to 5. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit 
not many days from now. Why did they need the Holy Spirit? They had Jesus. They had walked with Jesus. Why did they need the Holy Spirit? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit when he was here on earth. We need the Holy Spirit. We're just going to have a look at some of these um, promises that Jesus gave to his disciples. I'm just going to go through quite a few of them. So Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So one of the reasons he sent the Holy Spirit was so that we could receive power to be witnesses. I have struggled in my life um, many, many years with insecurity. And when I first um, sort of started to, to speak, it, it was so hard because I was just so shy. And yet, the Holy Spirit does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He empowers us. And this power is something that we're actually told we have to wait for. We have to receive this power. This is a necessity for us to be a witness to Jesus and of Jesus. Then we have John 14, 16. And then also I'm going to read verse 26. So I will pray the Father. This is Jesus speaking. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Jesus said he would pray to the Father and that he, the Father, would give us another helper. Notice this is God's idea, not ours. He decided we needed the Holy Spirit and he was willing to send us a helper. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. That's so good. How many of you have tried to remember a conversation you had with someone last week? <laughs> How'd that work out for you? Yeah, well, they, well, they mentioned something about, uh, it went along the lines of, Oh, I think they said something else, but I only remember a bit. How wonderful. You think of how much they heard Jesus say in three and a half years, being with him day and night. The Holy Spirit will bring to their remembrance all things that he said. How wonderful. Here's another promise. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. I particularly like that bit. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Look at that. He will guide you into all truth. Have any of you ever fallen for something? Ever been scammed by something? I remember... Uh, I would have been maybe in my early teens or, or just pre-teen. But I used to have a big white 
like stuffed toy, but it was a dog that sat on my bed. And I loved this dog. It was beautiful, shaggy, big white dog, stuffed toy. We had someone come to our church and they were very needy. They, were, they didn't have a lot of stuff. And um, she came around to our house and she saw my dog on my bed and she fell in love with it. And she kept making hints of how much she would love that dog and how good it would be to, to have something like that herself. And being, you know, <clears throat> kind of kind-hearted, I decided to give her the dog. It was only sometime later, once she'd collected quite a lot of things from quite a lot of people at our church, uh, that she made a swift exit out of town and we realised that we'd all been conned um, because she wasn't needy and she didn't need all our stuff. She just wanted all our stuff. And I felt really sad because there's one thing giving something to someone when they really need it, you know, and it blesses you. You think, oh, they need that more than me. But when you find out you've been taken advantage of, it's not very nice. <laughs> so... I really like this, that he will guide you into all truth. Because people are really good at putting on masks now, aren't they? They're really good at looking like something that they're not. They're really good at saying everything you want to hear. But how do you know if they're right or not? If, if you're actually being taken advantage of? No on that. God will never be outdone. Do you know what he did sometime later? Someone gave me a white fluffy toy. But this one was a teddy bear and it was three times the size of my dog and it took up a big amount of my bed. I love it. We need to wait for the Holy Spirit. What a key to living a victorious, overcoming, exciting Christian life. If we don't wait for the Holy Spirit, we charge ahead and then we, we pay for it because it gets a little lonely out on the limb. <laughs> I remember someone saying once, you know, God, I had all these great ideas. Now can you come and bless them? But it's so much better if we wait for the Holy Spirit. Okay. Do you like that one? I love it. You know what? Human nature is kind of one of two things. We, we either go, I can do it. I can do it myself. How many little kids have you heard say that? Yeah. I can do it myself. And you're watching them and you're going, oh, you can't really. <laughs> That's not going to end well. Mm. But human nature is to think, I've got this. I can do this. I'm all good. I don't need help. I'm fine. Or we fail so many times that we end up feeling like utter failures and that we can't do anything. I'm just no good at anything. I just, I'm just, I can't do it. When I was in high school, one of my friends said to me one day, Anita, I've decided I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. It was by far the worst words I'd ever heard anybody say to me. Um, I was so shocked. I said, what do you mean? Why wouldn't you want to be a Christian? 
She said, it's too hard. I keep failing. I keep making mistakes. I'm not good enough. In that moment, I could feel so much frustration because I wanted to explain to her that that's the reason Jesus came, that we're not good enough. But I didn't feel like I had the right words to say. But I want to go over a couple of these because this is why the Holy Spirit is being sent to us. So the first one is self-reliance. If we look at the language Jesus used concerning the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in those, those verses in Acts that I read out. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our helper twice. So that kind of is like a little hint. We might need help. <laughs> then he says the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. The Holy Spirit will guide us. So this suggests we need help, we need to be taught, and we need guidance. Romans 15, 18 to 19. I think I've got... No, I don't have that one. Sorry. Oh, I'm going to go through these for you. You can just listen. They're on the web page, yes, if you're following along in the notes. Uh, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Romans. In word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient... In mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Holy Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and around about Iconium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul's saying, I don't even want to dare to speak of any of those things Christ has not accomplished through me. If God wasn't in it, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to acknowledge that it happened. If God's not in it, I don't want a part of it. That's interesting, isn't it? Our own efforts. All right. We don't want to we don't want to be in self-reliance. We need the Holy Spirit. And we need him all the time. We need him to direct and guide our lives. And the exciting thing is he wants to direct and guide our lives. It's super, super, super cool when you enter a divine setup. When you happen to be at the right place at the right time talking to the right person. Anyone ever been there? Isn't it cool? How would you like a whole life like that? I would love it. You know what I realized? I was thinking about this yesterday. If I was to live a life fully directed by the Holy Spirit, it would mean I would need to spend a lot less time thinking about myself. Now, when I say thinking about myself, I'm thinking of, I've got to get this done. I've got to go here. I've got to get that. I need this accomplished. I've got to finish this off. And it's so hard because there's not a lot of room for anybody else in my already full head of what needs to be done. But what if I changed what I did when I woke up? Because all those things, I know they're there. But what if when I woke up, I said, well, Holy Spirit, it's a new day for another adventure. What are we doing today? It might just turn out to be the most extraordinary day of my life. 
because the Holy Spirit is at work through me. Okay. I want to talk about the second thing now, condemnation, where we feel we're not good enough. We try so many times using our own efforts and we fail over and over again. Can anyone relate to that? I definitely can. In fact, I'm sure I had less faults when I was a teenager than I do now. Because <laughs> you know everything when you're a teenager, right? You, you. <laughs> it's always their fault, don't you know? It wasn't my fault, I couldn't help it. But the older I'm getting, the more I'm learning to take responsibility. And then it's hard to not get into that cycle of defeat. But I love this verse. Look at this. Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Whenever you feel like you're hitting a brick wall, whenever it feels like it's all too hard, it's all too much, I just can't do it, that is your red flag your red flashing light to tell you you have entered the zone of your own strength. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That is how you live a victorious Christian life. Not by your own energies, not by your own effort. I was feeling pretty tired yesterday and I was down shopping, and I'm going to be really honest with you, and I'm sure none of you ever have this thought, but I, I did have this thought yesterday. I kind of hope I don't bump into anyone I know. <laughs> oh, you're laughing. You mean you've been there too? Just sneak down this aisle, hopefully. Oh, I don't feel like talking to anyone. And that's when the Lord kind of said to me, hey, it's by my spirit. You're tired right now. Would you like me to give you some energy? Oh, yes, please. Why do I think I have to do it all myself? Why am I trying to muster up a smile when I'm feeling exhausted? When I could just receive the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He's our helper. And right in that moment, I needed help. I'm looking at all the, you know, pretty Christmas decorations in Aldi and I'm like, work, put up decorations. <laughs> that was the kind of mood I was in. <laughs> I needed help. Melody said the other day, Mom, the 1st of December, can we put up the Christmas tree? I said, can we just get through today? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> all right. Look, Paul knows the struggles we're going through and he addressed it to the Roman believers. Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us by Jesus from the Father. Let me say it with a different emphasis. The Holy Spirit is given to us from Jesus through the Father. He's given to us 
which means if he's given, it's a gift, which means you can't earn it. I used to listen to someone, uh, one of the Italian evangelists when I was um, a teenager, and he would talk about how much he paid the price to have the anointing of God on his life. It was all about his holiness, the way he would fast and pray and sacrifice to be anointed. But the Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit is not given by our merit. It was Jesus' idea. It's his gift, not ours. In fact, it says that the Spirit is given without measure. What does that mean? You can't qualify for more or less. You know, he always says about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we have a water baptism, what part of you doesn't get wet? But it's a full immersion, right? That's the same with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not a little bit, and let's see how you go with it. Oh, no, I don't think you can handle any more. My goodness, when God gives you the Holy Spirit, you're dumped all the way under. You are fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. And you come up dripping going, look out, world. i got a message to bring and I've got the power to bring it. I'm feeling a bit excited. Woo, sorry. Okay. So it is the Father's good pleasure to give us his Holy Spirit. We don't qualify with our own efforts at holiness. Then he uses these words, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive. Just as we receive Jesus as our Savior. Did you have to scrub up, clean up, shape up before you could give your life to Christ? Many people think they do. Look, I just got to get a bit better before I come to church. Come to church. Jesus will wash you clean and he'll empower you to live better. The Holy Spirit is our helper to empower us to live godly lives and to rule over our flesh. Let's look at Romans 8, 12 to 17 together. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. When you get those nudgings from God, you're being led by him. That's proof you're a child of God. You hear his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they will not follow a stranger. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Yesterday, I was down in the kids' hall cleaning up after the mess of youth group, as I do every Saturday. And I was feeling so overwhelmed. You know, I'd just been downtown and didn't want to bump in anyone, and now I'm down here. And I was still thinking of all those things in my mental list that I had to accomplish. And I just just started crying. I said, you know, God, 
I would just really appreciate having some parents here. I would appreciate if my father was still here because he would always get in and help me. And you know what God said to me? He reminded me of this scripture. We cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. And he said, I'm your father and I will help you. Look, I don't know how we did it because my list was too long and the hours to accomplish it too short. But somehow my father helped me yesterday and I got everything done on my list. That never happens. But I have a wonderful father and he's given me a wonderful mother here. (laughs) This Jacqueline has stepped up to be like a mum to me. That's how wonderful our God is. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He always provides for us. I was so blessed by my heavenly father yesterday. I am a child of God. Look at this. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So exciting. Now, I hope you're ready to buckle in because I have some extraordinary stuff to share with you. I want to quickly go through these things. God wants to direct our life moment by moment. You know, I have always had a weakness for potato chips, not the hot ones, the the packet ones, you know, the crunk, 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 crunk. And I've been asking God, because it's finally dawned on me, one of those things, you know, I've been, I've got this, I can do this, I've got, no, I failed again, I can't do this, I'm doomed, I'm just always going to eat potato chips. Well, God is so good. Do you know how he's helped me? Every time I've tried to eat them, they don't taste right. They're bothering me. They're annoying me. They make me feel sick. They're not the way they used to be. Somebody's changed the ingredients. Something's gone wrong with my chips because I have a helper. Wow. I was so impressed. I'm like, God, only you could do that because I've tried my whole life. He's so wonderful. I know. It's just chips. Sorry. I get excited over weird stuff, don't I? All right. I want to tell you, God wants us to be led by him moment by moment. I believe all we have to do is have ears to hear. Just be sensitive to that nudging, that ring someone now or go here or you might suddenly feel that you need to shop somewhere out of the blue and you go, I never go there. What do I want to go there for? Do it. There's always a reason the Holy Spirit is leading us. Look, there's so many examples in the Bible. I'm going to go through them quickly. Acts 11:28. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Holy Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it by the elders, to the elders, sorry, by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So the Holy Spirit 
showed Agabus there's going to be a famine throughout the world. Remember, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. Here's another example, Acts 13, 2-3. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. They didn't know who to commission for the work. So they fasted and they prayed, and the Holy Spirit said, this one and this one. He spoke to them. He led them. Acts 16, 6 to 10. Now, when they had gone through Phygera and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Do you, have you ever had times when you can't explain it, but something doesn't feel right? You've got that? Some people describe it like, oh, no, no, I've got a, a scratchy feeling. The Holy Spirit is saying, no, no, that's not safe. That's not the way. Don't. Stop. This is what happened to them. Who knows what was going on in Asia at that time, but the Holy Spirit knew that was not where they needed to be at that moment. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he'd seen the vision, immediately we sought to go there, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Even if we don't know all the details, we need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And look at this example also from uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2 and verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he'd seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. This is amazing. Right place, right time, right location. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, for which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. The Holy Spirit had promised him, you will see Jesus, you will see the, the Saviour. And the day, the very day that they decide to bring Jesus to the temple to keep all the customs of the law, when he was eight days old, what happens? He's just led by the Spirit to be in the temple at that very moment that they're walking in the door and he sees Jesus. So awesome. Look, I want to finish off with a testimony from the life of Reinhard Bonnke. Many of you will know of him. <clears throat> a mighty man of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, an evangelist, and God gave him a vision to see a blood-washed Africa, washed in the blood of Jesus. 
And um, he was just a simple, humble man from Germany. But God said, go. And he was obedient. And his whole life was about being led by the Holy Spirit. So I want to just read you one of his accounts. He has a book um, called uh, Living a Life of Fire. And it's his um, biography all about himself, autobiography, I guess you'd call it, um, all about himself uh, and all that God has done in his life. It's just amazing. So buckle in. This really, really blessed me. Um, okay, so he'd been in Africa for some time as a missionary. He'd had great success in one little town, but now he was transitioning and God was moving him out of there and he didn't know where he was headed. How, oh, a lot of us know that feeling, hey? <laughs> so he says, That night as I lay sleepless in bed, the voice of the Lord spoke to me. Go to the city of Gabon in Botswana. This word came out of the blue. The next morning, I telephoned a pastor I knew in that city, Pastor Schufers. I told him I wanted to come see him today. He agreed. Then I asked Annie, that's his wife, to take me to the airport. I purchased a ticket on the next flight to Gabon. Obeying God's voice was life itself to me. When I got off the plane, I realised that I had not even prepared for the trip. I had not brought enough money for food or taxi fare. No problem. God had called me here. This was an adventure of faith. So I walked into the city. Sometimes an anonymous walk through an unknown land will quiet the mind and instill the heart of the Lord in a man. I walked like Jonah through Nineveh and opened my senses to the city God had called me to. I encountered the sights and sounds of children playing, chickens seeking insects on a swept dirt floor, laundry being beaten against a rock, tripe stew boiling on a bed of charcoal, a mother steadying a jerry can of water on the head of her barefoot daughter. It was a place of desperate poverty and need. Just like Lesotho, uh, that's the, the previous town he'd been in, I thought only someone called by God could venture here to Garborn. I walked through the markets and neighbourhoods, sensing the presence and the compassion of the Lord reaching out to this community. Turn right, God said. I turned right, and there before me was the Botswana National Sports Stadium. You will preach my name there. It's like, what? <laughs> Later that morning, I arrived at Pastor Schofer's home in Gabon. I told him that I wanted to meet the city officials and book the National Sports Stadium for a meeting in four weeks' time. He looked at me as if I'd lost my mind. He said, I am a pastor who has 40 people in a church on a good Sunday. How do you expect to fill a stadium that holds 10,000? I don't know about your 40 people, I said, but I know that I just heard the voice of the Holy Spirit and I want to obey him. But 10,000 seats to fill, Reinhard, you have to build up to that. All right, we'll build up to it. What is the largest hall in town? I want to book it. I will start there and end up in the stadium. Bless him. He was humble enough to drive me to the authorities. I created a contract between Garborn and CFAN, 
hiring a hall, seating, seating 800 for the first week, then the stadium for the final nights of the campaign. However, as I put my signature on the line, I began to perspire. Somehow, I already saw that vast stadium with only 40 people inside. <laughs> I had to find a way to fill it. As soon as I'd finished, I called Annie and told her I was extending my stay in Gabon. I would take some time to organise the local churches. I got a list of all the local pastors and one by one I visited them all. Hello, I'm Reinhard Bonke. In four weeks' time, I will have a gospel campaign in your city. I have hired the National Stadium, but we will start off with a smaller sports hall. Please, let's all work together. In sub-Saharan Africa, we have a very large vulture-like bird called the mabu stork. It is a scavenger that waits for animals to die in order to eat them. That's why it's called the undertaker bird. These Gabon pastors looked at me like a marabou stork contemplating roadkill. <laughs> that all sounds very good, they said, but who are you? I said, I am a nobody, but God has spoken to me and I believe it's going to happen as he said. They said, well, anyone can say that. I said, but he really has spoken to me. Sorry, but we've got something else on our calendar for those dates. Indeed, I felt like roadkill. I was tempted to berate myself for poor planning. What an amateur mistake to plan a campaign before securing the cooperation of the local churches. One after another, the pastors turned me down until all of them had said no. It was then that I woke up, spiritually speaking. Lord, you told me, sorry, you spoke to me and told me that I would preach your name in that stadium. This is your campaign. I will do the preaching, but you must fill the stadium. Peace came into my heart and I took the next plane back to Johannesburg. Annie and I prayed and fasted and cranked up the printing press. We had one thing going for us. Pastor Schofers had promised his congregation would support the meetings and would plaster campaign posters all over Gabon. At this stage, the Gabon meetings were scheduled to begin and I flew with Richard to Botswana. I had decided to conduct the campaign according to the words of Jesus recorded in his great commission, "'Go ye into all the world.'" And preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my mind, I saw myself preaching the gospel sermons and Richard Nagiri conducting the healing ministry. Again, I thought we'd be like ebony and ivory. Our presence together would send a message to the entire region that we were brothers in Christ of equal value before God and together we could cover at least two points in Christ's great commission, salvation and the signs that follow, specifically healing. As we entered the meeting hall, I could feel the emptiness. I could hear it. I could smell it. I looked about and immediately realised that all of our advanced publicity had failed. When I counted the heads, there were exactly 100 present, including myself. 
Um, the room was designed for 800. I counted from right to left and from left to right. Recounting didn't make it better. 100 is 100 from every angle. I was quite disappointed. I sensed that Richard was also uncomfortable. Not even his name had helped build the crowd in Gabon. Perhaps that was because he was a Zulu and we were now in the land of the Bushmen of the Kalahari. Pastor Scofers then leaned over to me and told me proudly that all 40 members of his flock were in attendance. <laughs> that deflated me even more. It meant that we'd drawn no more than 60 souls beyond the members of his congregation. Pastor Schufers had every right to say, I told you so. I remembered the day a few weeks ago when I arrived at his house with the wild idea of filling the National Sports Stadium. And now this. After preliminaries, I stood and opened the Bible to preach the ABCs of the gospel. I had perhaps preached for 10 to 20 minutes when a woman on the left side of the group of 100 stood up and shouted, I've just been healed! I stopped speaking to hear her. Soon another and another stood and did the same. Four or five people all stood and made this claim of being spontaneously healed. I thought, this is strange. I'm preaching the gospel of salvation, yet people are being healed. We've not even laid hands according to scripture. At the conclusion of my sermon, I called for anyone else who was sick to come forward. I told them I would lay hands on them and pray. Something very strange began to happen. Every person I laid my hands on collapsed to the floor and they lay there row after row of unconscious people. I looked at Richard as I was not familiar with this manifestation. A man came running from the back of the room to me. I demand an explanation, he said. What have you done to make these people faint and fall on the floor? I can't explain it. I need an explanation myself. Are you a doctor? Do you know what's happened to them? No, I don't know. Well, all I can tell you is I didn't ask these people to do this. What I have done is lay hands on them according to the words of Jesus in Mark 16, 18. So I suppose what's happened to them, Jesus is responsible for. At that moment, one woman got up from the floor. I can see. I can see. I can see. She had fallen down blind but got up seeing. This woman was well known to all the people. Another prostrate man who I prayed for went down with a pair of crutches. He got up walking and running without any need of them. Immediately, the man who'd been demanding an explanation no longer seemed angry. He was amazed and began to praise God. All 100 people began shouting and dancing and screaming. They filled that nearly empty hall with a tremendous volume of sound that was heard in the surrounding neighbourhoods. Some people came running to see what had happened. It was a repeat of the service in Mesaru. Within two nights, that hall was packed to capacity. God performed his own publicity. People sat on other people's laps. Others sat in the window seals. There were 2,000 people crowding outside waiting to get in. We placed a loudspeaker outside for them. For the first time in my life, I saw crowds of people running to the front to receive Jesus at my invitation. They were crying tears of repentance as they came. I thought heaven had come down to earth. Africa shall be saved, I repeated under my breath again and again. Each night I asked Richard to pray for the sick after I had given the invitation for salvation. 
His great healing gift was evident as well as his deep compassion for those he ministered to. Many other healings manifested as signs following the believing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Finally, we moved into the great stadium, normally filled for national soccer matches. By the second night, we had it filled to capacity. Isn't it amazing? For the hearing of the gospel. I will never forget seeing in the crowd the faces of many of those pastors who had denied cooperation with those meetings. How things had changed. The marabou stalk look was gone and I never felt less like roadkill. One night near the end of the campaign, nearly half the population of Gabon had packed into the stadium. The entire soccer field as well as the stands were both filled. The Lord spoke to me, I want you to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This startled me. I had never heard of such a thing. This was a stadium meeting. Back home in Germany, we had not sought for the baptism. We had not sought for baptism in our regular meetings where unbelievers might be present. We did it in private meetings restricted to believers only. I said, Lord, this is a stadium. Many people might be confused by this display. They will misunderstand. Still, I felt the urging of the Lord to do this thing. I recalled how my mother had prayed and tarried for so many years for the experience. My own experience had been spontaneous but had nothing to do with a group experience. How was it that God would fill an entire group in a public meeting at once? But on the day of Pentecost, it happened to 120 assembled in the upper room. Those outside the meeting hall certainly heard them speaking in tongues. Many had mocked and misunderstood, but it had not mattered. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, Peter preached a sermon he had not prepared for, and 361,000 souls eventually were added to the church in Jerusalem. Now maybe I would see something similar. I invited those who wanted to receive the baptism to come forward. Nearly a 1,000 gathered at the front. Since he had a better grip of the language, I asked Richard Nagiri to explain how to receive the gift. As he explained it, I felt he left out a fundamental part, speaking in tongues. I stood to correct him, but the Holy Spirit checked me. I felt I should say nothing. So with no further explanation, I told the people that in response to God's voice, I would now pray for them to receive God's gift. As I finished the prayer, I instructed them to lift their hands to heaven and close their eyes. I did not close my eyes. I wanted to see what God would do. When they lifted their hands, I saw a transparent wave coming from right to left, sweeping over that stadium. As it hit those people, it was as if a mighty rushing wind blew them to the ground in mass. All of them were speaking in tongues and prophesying as the Spirit gave utterance. I had not said one word about speaking in tongues. This confirmed to me that I had indeed heard the voice of the Spirit in my heart. I heard him true. It also demonstrated the reality of speaking in tongues without any hint of suggestion or manipulation. I'm not a weepy man, but tears began to flow down my face. I was greatly moved and changed inside to witness this divine moment. The scripture came to mind, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. 
I became convinced of the vision of a blood-washed Africa will only be realized by a mighty outpouring of God's spirit, a deluge that will sweep great throngs of people into his kingdom, leaving hell empty and heaven full. Wow. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? I don't know if that story inspired you, but it inspired me because I want to be one who listens to the voice of God and obeys and who is full of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is able to proclaim Jesus through me, the Jesus that saved me, the Jesus that wants to save as many as will come to him. Why don't we just bow our heads in this moment? I want to do two things. First, I want to give people an opportunity, if you don't know Jesus, to give your life to him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody can come to the Father. There is no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus. He is the door. If you haven't received Jesus and you would love to make Him your Saviour today, I just want you to raise your hand. If you're watching online, you can click the little raise hand button or you can... You can even raise your hand where you're sitting. Anita, count me in that prayer. And I'm going to pray with you today. It's not a magic prayer, but if you mean it from your heart, it will have eternal consequences. It will change where you spend eternity. Feel free to pray after me. Dear Jesus, I welcome you into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Make me your child. I choose to follow you the rest of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The second category I want to pray for today is if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then I believe that He is here just as He was in the book of Acts, just as He was for Reinhard Bonnke in Africa. If you want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, would you raise your hand today because we are going to pray and believe that He will come and He will fill you and He will refresh you and He will empower you and be your helper who will abide with you forever. Thank you, Lord. Father, you see these hands and according to your scripture, we ask that you would fill these dear ones with your Holy Spirit, that they would be filled and baptised with the Holy Spirit and with fire, that they may be witnesses unto you everywhere they go. We thank you for empowering us with your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let me just pray a prayer of blessing over you. Father God, I thank you for your people. I thank you that we are children of God. I thank you that you have given us the gift of the Holy Spirit and that we can receive him. Lord, I ask that this week will be an extraordinary week for everyone within the sound of my voice. 
that they will hear your Spirit speak to them, that they'll be quick to obey, and that, Father, we will see people come into a saving knowledge of Jesus, that we will see you setting up divine appointments, opening doors, closing doors. Lord, that we will see you at work in a powerful way. Lord, let our life be filled with the adventure of living with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Feel free to linger.